Hi, I'm Anna McEwen, and this is The Epic Narrative. And now, my dad, Bob Switzer. So, where are we at? Oh, yeah, we are in chapter 15 of 2 Samuel. Now, last week, you remember, we left Absalom. He had finally got himself recognized as a prince in more than just name. He had recognition from the king. He had opportunities now in front of him as a as a person with authority and influence, somebody who had the ear of the king, somebody who could go in and out of the palace, somebody who could talk with people, merchants and uh the merchants and the elders of various tribes and business owners and, and uh, large landowners, etc. Like he can be around. And the first phrasing of chapter 15 is that great phrase. This is in the course of time. So over the next, mm, basically, uh, well, yeah, probably the next 12 verses will take place over the next four years. 12 verses is going to cover four years. Four years in which you have monthly fest, you know, festivals in which Absalom is available and around and his family is growing. Four years of his, of his children growing up. Four years of him interacting with his wife and interacting with his brothers. Four years of being in and out of the palace. Four years of travel maybe to the coast and maybe to the mountains and maybe to see his maternal grandfather where he was in exile. Lots of lots of things can happen in four years of time. But one of the things he did was he provided for himself a chariot and horses with 50 men to run in front of him. Now this is, this is uh, actually I'm just going to go ahead and read uh, read for a little bit and then we'll kind of backtrack because because it does take place over a four-year period of time and I'll break it down a little bit. So it says, he would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading into the city gate. And whenever anybody came with a complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out to them and say, what town are you from? And he would answer, your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom would say, Look at your claims. Look at your, they're valid and proper, but there's no representative of the king to hear you. And Absalom would add, if only I were appointed judge of the land, then everyone who had a complaint or case would come to me and I would see that they received justice. Also, whenever anybody would approach him and bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. And Absalom behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice. And so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. This is amazing. This is an amazing four-year plan. This is calculated. This is, this is on purpose. This is what politics is. Not diplomacy. This is politics. Absalom, Absalom is out for himself. The first thing he does is he he takes advantage of the fact that he is incredibly good looking. And he starts to carve out an image. He wants an image that looks like somebody who's way more important than he really is. 
Now, image is important to a lot of people. I mean, it's one of the reasons why places like <laughs> places like Walmart and Target make so much money because they they have the image of wealth without the cost of wealth. So you can walk into uh, Walmart or Target and mostly Target, I think, for furniture, but you can walk in and you can buy plates or furniture or or um, uh, uh, ele- well, electronics are kind of hard to fake, but uh, linens, that was the other thing, linens and um, office supplies, that sort of stuff. You can go in and you can buy them at a discounted rate because they're not quite as good as what they look like. And they look like things that actually do cost a lot of money. And the wealthy, they have those things that cost a lot of money. But they don't they don't shop at Walmart. They just say to their designer, hey, I'd like a nice piece of furniture over there. Or, hey, I'd like some new linens. Or I'd like some pillows. Can you redo the colors in this room for me? And they're done, and they're done with excellence, and they're done with, with fine. Everything feels really fine. It feels, you know, soft or silky or... Or when you look at it, you know, the grain of the wood is like legit. It's not just a veneer. It's not something that's glued on the top. It's not something that when you scratch it, you can fix it by putting a, uh, you know, Sharpie marker on it. It's it's a legit thing. And image is really important to those who play politics. You want to look the part. And what does Absalom want to be? He wants to be in charge. He wants to be king. Or at least an incredibly powerful person under the king to the point where he, in essence, takes all the power from the king. And he knows that, that, you know, that he knows how to get there. He's seen it happen. I mean, David may be an amazing diplomat, but he had, he works with and has many politicians around him. And Absalom is one of them. And he's learned from them. And like I said, I believe Ahithophel is is encouraging this. He's helping Absalom. So one of the things he does is he tries to look the part here. He provides for himself a chariot and horses with 50 men to run ahead of him. Now, I don't know if he had 50 men run ahead of him all the time, but he would. Maybe when he would uh, go to the market or he'd go to the festivals or he'd go to the temple, he would arrive looking like a king. He'd, he'd arrive looking like he was in charge. Now, Absalom had wealth. He never lost his money when he went into exile. His crops were continued to be, you know, continued to be planted. His, his livestock continued to be bred and sold and sheep were sheared and all of that. So he had wealth. That was not an issue. He was a prince. He had access to, to, divide, to, to his own trade deals. And there were many merchants, plenty of merchants, who wanted to do trades with, you know, the king's family. They wanted to do trades with people who had access to the king. And that's why it was so important to Absalom that he get back into this access point, because it allowed him to become more powerful. And when you're a politician, power is what you want. You're really not concerned about what the power does to the other people. Your main concern is, do I have influence? Do I have power? Can I control the direction of whatever it is I want control over? It could be an individual, because you can pay 
play politics one-on-one. Or it could be a group of people. It could be the office. It could be the management. It could be the company. It could be your town. It could be your church. It could be your your uh, city. It could be your state. It could be the nation. It could be all the nations. Do I have enough power to control the direction of what I want of, of what I want and where I want it to go? And I believe Absalom wanted the control necessary. He wanted he wanted the power, sorry, that necessary to control the direction of the of the nation. And one of the ways to do that is through the judicial system. And he knew that because they hold sway over the people. Every problem, every trade, every real estate deal, every uh, marketing deal, every contract with other countries, all of it went went through a judge. Absalom wanted to be that person, if not the king. But of course, if you step out and say, I want to be king, you're going to be in trouble. So Absalom's plan, and again, he's shrewd. His plan was to look like a king, but let it be known that he would really rather be a judge. Like that's really what he wants. And what is the, what is the next thing he do? He makes himself available. It says he, he would... Uh, he would get up in the morning and stand at the side of the road leading into the city gate. So not even this, this again, you, you have to understand the culture. He'd get up early in the morning. Why? Because this, the gate would open at dawn, and that's when business could, could commence. Outside businesses could come in. They'd set up their booths in the marketplace. There was a lot of activity. The, the cattle were, were driven in, the lambs, the goats were driven in, the birds were brought in. Anybody who didn't have a, a place in the city, which was the majority of people, I mean, I mean, royalty lived in the city because they were under, in essence, 24-hour protection. And there were a lot of elders and, and other statesmen that would live in the city. But for the most part, the people who actually made a living would set up in the city because they, they could be protected. Their, their, their goods could be protected. So the market would open up, and he would stand there. So he'd get up before dawn, and he would go out to the city gate. Now, there were usually side doors that allowed individuals to come in and out of the city 24 hours a day. And as royalty, he would have access to that gate. So he would walk out while the line was developing outside of the the capital city. And he's beautiful, and and he's dressed the part. And he's just, you know, he, he would just he would just shrewdly make himself available. I know that's a long pause, sorry. I, I was I was reading the verses and reading my notes and I was like, wow, Bob, you haven't said anything for like thirty five seconds. I'm sorry about that. It's just that there's a lot of layers in these verses, because like I said, it takes over a four year period. So he would come and he would he would interact with the people in a very in a very political way. He'd interact with people, and when I say political, I mean he'd be friendly, he'd be open, and he 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 would make himself seem like he was available. If if given the proper position, he could make what they were going through better. So he would ask them, "So where are you from?" Oh, I'm from well, you know such and such a, a place in, in Israel. I'm from one of the tribes of Israel. Wow! And I see you're you're here to, for what? 
oh, I'm I'm here because I I need a decision made on a particular lawsuit or, or a particular land deal or a particular trade route. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you're going to get this to get in. You know, it's my dad's really, really busy. I mean, I'm I'm available. I'm I'm here. I mean, I, I mean, let, let, let me let, let me hear what you have to have to say. You know, what's the deal? What deal are you looking at? And of course, the people around them, as as would be in any group of, uh, uh, you know, would be aware of who Absalom is, and he's listening to this man's lawsuit, and he's seems really concerned, and he's reading the paperwork, and he's like, "Wow, yeah, no, you have a really good case here. You have a really good case. I, I, I definitely. I mean, if if I had, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, <laughs> if I had a position." where I could actually make this decision, I would definitely rule in your favor. I mean, it's very clear by your paperwork and your sincerity. I can tell you're telling me the truth. I'm a very good judge of character, and you, sir, are a, uh, of, of excellent character. And this deal should definitely go in your favor. But, uh, you know, who knows? My dad is probably not going to listen to you. You're going to be stuck with with whatever this deal is. And uh, I, you know, <clears throat> as available as I am, you'd think he'd use me, but... You know, he uh, he evidently doesn't see what I have to say is very valuable because here I am just doing nothing, just doing nothing. But, hey, it was great meeting you. It was great meeting you. And then, of course, others in the line would be like, oh, Absalom, 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 look, look, look at mine. Look at mine. Can can you look over mine? Do you, do you think this is a good deal? What do you think? Well, uh, <laughs> I don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind. Look, I mean, I'm just. I'm just out for a walk, really. I mean, but yeah, I'll look at it. Uh, sure, let me see it. And they'd bring it out, and he would spend the mornings, what we would call like schmoozing people. Everybody had a good deal. Everybody had the right stuff, and everyone he would he would have ruled in everyone's favor. There was no bad guy except for the people that weren't there. Whoever was, you know. Whoever the bad guy was to the person was absolutely absolute and say, yeah, no, this is not right. Your family should not have written you out of the will. No, no, no. I would definitely give you the property. I mean, you you have every right to that property. You're you're the third born son of your of your father's sixth uh sixth wife. So absolutely you deserve everything. Just like the firstborn son. I don't understand what that problem is. I you know, I'll, I I would I would rule in your favor, but I, again, I don't have any authority. And this would go on. And he would say, "Look, your you know your claims are valid and proper, but there's no representative of the king to hear you." I mean, I'm I would love to be that representative. I would I would if only I was the judge. Like I would take care of this right here. I mean, I'm out here first thing in the morning. I work hard. I make myself available. I mean, you got to wait for the gate to open to get to anybody. If you even get an access to anybody on the inside, right? I don't know where they are. They're sleeping in their houses. They probably were all drunk last night. All these government officials that should be out here working with the people. I, I love you people. You people are amazing. I mean, look at yourselves. <laughs> this is awesome. You guys are awesome. And some people would bow down before me and he'd, and he'd be like, oh, bless your heart. No, come here, come here, come here. And he'd pick him up and he'd give him a hug and he'd kiss him and be like, you are an amazing person. You didn't have to do that. 
But on the flip side, what does he want to look like? Well, he wants to look like they're supposed to bow down to him. He has a chariot. He has 50 men to run out in front of him and announce, Absalom's coming, Absalom's coming. Make way, make way. Absalom's coming, Absalom's coming. Make way, make, make way. And it's not like the chariot would be like right behind the 50 people. These guys would kind of trot along or walk along. They'd form like a wedge. They'd push open the the crowded pathway or the uh, the roadway or the marketplace and then Absalom would just kind of trot through really slow and he'd smile as though he's not inconveniencing anyone he didn't push anybody out of the way he would he would he probably even apologize for it listen guys I'm really sorry about you know about making my way in here you know I know it's inconvenient but you know it's it's just the price you have to pay when you're when you're as powerful as I am, when you hold the the you know the the connections I have, they they think it's necessary. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it really is. But hey, how are what are you here for? What why are you why are you here today? Oh really? Well, let me see that. Yeah, let me let me see that. Oh no no no, you don't have to bow down to me. You don't really really come on up here. Let me give you a hug. Let me give you a hug. I'm a hugger. <laughs> I'm a hugger. You don't have to bow down to me. Trust me. I'm just, I'm just one of you. Yeah, I mean, well, it's true. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, granted, I am Absalom. I, rumor has it, I'm fairly better looking than you, but they say I'm better looking than everybody, right? <laughs> this is awesome. You're awesome. I'm awesome. We're all family here. You're all part of the the nation of Israel. I just, I wish I had some way in 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 order to. Uh, you know, in order to help you out. And then he would criticize David. He would say, if only I were appointed judge, for there's no one, no one that would that 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 can hear you. There's no representative from the king. See, that's criticism of the king. Criticism of, of his father. You see, if he was being diplomatic, if he was being part of the team, he would he would have found a way to go to David and say, listen. There's a real need for more judges here in the city. People come every day and aren't able to be seen because there's such a long line at the gate for the for deals to be done and for business to be enacted and for judgments to be enacted, uh, you know, uh, things to be ruled on by judges. You know, why don't why don't you give me that job? Let me be the the head judge. Put me over the Supreme Court. Let me do that. Let me, or let me, you know, let me be the, the head judge. Let me train and interact. Like what, whatever you need to do, Dad. I just know that there's a need here. There's a need because things aren't being done. People are getting frustrated. They wait in line all day. Nothing gets done. They've waited for months on a ruling. Nothing gets done. The paperwork gets lost. Let me help you out. But that's a diplomat. That's somebody who's on. The, the same page, somebody who wants to see the vision of the leader come true. But Absalom doesn't want that. He has his own vision for the nation, and it involves him overseeing it and controlling it. It involves him being in power. And the only way he can, he can uh, bring David out of power is by creating a need for him to be in power. Because everyone, everyone loves David. David has a has a yes okay he does have a few kinks in his armor chinks in his chinks and kinks <laughs> chinks in his armor 
He's got some pretty rude kids. He's got one child who's a murderer who he brought back into the fold. He's got a, you know, he definitely cheated on on all of his wives with Bathsheba. There's a pretty strong evidence that he had his her husband uh, killed, and that the first child wasn't, you know, was 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 taken out. A lot of people believe God did that. Of course, I don't. You can go back to that podcast and listen to that if you want, but I don't think God kills people. Etc. Etc. Lots of things to criticize David for, but generally speaking, David was incredibly popular in the nation and had been for over 20 years. Remember, David's now ruled for 28 years or so, 29 years. He's he's got a lot going for him. He's got a lot of people on his side. He's got a lot of wealth, a lot of international influence. And you can't just go in and find one general to take the army because you would need the lead general on that. And Joab isn't going to turn his back on David. They've been through too much. This is what what Absalom do, is doing here is so cunning and so shrewd. It's why I have to go to a hit a Hithafeld's mindset. I think he was getting counsel from him. And I don't know how often they met or if it was subtle, if it was through messengers. If, if Ahithophel would watch what he's doing and then would just send him little messages like, hey, why don't you do this? But he flattered, uh, uh, you know, Absalom, he, he worked out his, his image. He made himself available. He flattered everyone. He was critical of David and his lack of leadership when it came to representing the people. He's like, there's no one here. There's no representative to, to meet you. There's no one who can speak for you. There's no one that can make a decision for you. You're going to wait forever for this to happen. I could do it if my dad was just a better leader. He's a little weak in some areas. You know, hey, hey, not going to take away the military. The dude the dude can kill some Philistines. We all know that, right? Everybody's laughing. He can wipe out the Ammonites, right? Ah, we all remember what he did to the Moabites. Remember, that was awesome. Uh, but, you know, sometimes guys are, you know, you're just getting over your head. I mean, he he just oversees everything. I mean, everything. He's so, like, egotistical and I don't know. I just think he should delegate. You know, I could be available. I, I, could, I could do this. I mean, I, I'd, I'd rule in your favor. I'd rule in your favor. I'd rule in your favor. I mean, you guys are all awesome people, honest, hardworking, run-of-the-mill everyday people and i like you i mean honestly does absalom not sound like a politician is every politician regardless of what party you're from sound like that where they walk in and they say if i'm elected <laughs> if i'm elected everyone's right no one's wrong everyone gets everything for free no one has to pay any taxes except for the really bad people who make all the money, they're going to pay for everything because they can. And once we take away all their money, then nobody has any money. So let's not think about the future. Let, let me just fix you now. I'll give everything away. Trust me, trust me, trust me. If only I was, if only I was leader, if only I was elected, if only I was in charge. And like I said, I've seen this happen even in churches. Unfortunately for the, I mean, I was in the youth pastorate in a variety of churches, and <laughs> why were you in a variety of churches, Bob? Well, 
because my theology kept shifting. I kept deconstructing my belief system and reconstructing it. And actually, the, the more I did that, the gooder God got. And now I'm here where I'm at now, theologically, where, you know, it's all about the king and the kingdom and the king is Jesus and the king has always been Jesus and he's always looked like Jesus and that's the king. That's the father. The father is Jesus. Holy Spirit is Jesus. Everybody, the whole trinity, if you want to call them, they all look like Jesus. And I know that it's upsetting for some people because they want Jesus to be angry and they pick up that one, that one incident in the temple. And again, I, 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 it's, this is like so core to me, but there is, there is nothing in the context of that verse of those verses that would indicate that Jesus was angry to anybody in those, in that context. The only ones that made him angry were future scholars who needed an angry God so they could they can manipulate people's behavior. And I don't fault their motive. I know they wanted the behavior to be good. They 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 were trying to trying their best to represent God on this earth, but we missed the mark when it came to this. And we missed it corporately. It's a big miss to make God angry and a killer. And I'll probably get some emails on that one because trust me, I just I hint at it on Facebook, and there's and there's people who are like, Bob, do your research, Bob. You should look up the meaning of this word. And it's like, oh, I have, <laughs> I and I'll do more. I'll do. I'm not gonna stop. I haven't. I don't ever claim to have fully arrived. I will continue to do research. I have, wait, honestly, Mr. Engineer in my head, how in the world did I run down this road? Get me back. Get me back to Absalom. Oh, politics. Yeah, I've seen it happen in churches. I've been in youth ministry a long time. And, and I saw a lot of youth pastors play politics to either take over a church or push themselves into a senior pastorate somewhere else. Like they, they just... They start to push back against the leadership of the elders or the leadership of the pastor. And they make it clear to the, you know, to the students' parents, I, I could do better. Oh, I know I could do better. And like if, if they would just put me in charge of this, I know I could do better. I know I could. And they look for more power, more opportunities within the church structure. And eventually they want to, you know, oversee so many things that there's no way the church could operate without them. And then they look for that for that key moment. And that's what Absalom is starting to look for. After about three years, he's starting to look for a key moment where he can where he can make his move for final authority. Because I believe he and Ahithophel have put together a coalition. They've they've he you know Absalom has played politics with enough leadership from around the nation that there are elders in every tribe that are starting to question whether or not David really has what it takes to continue to lead Israel into the future. David's in the past. We need to lead Israel into the future. We need a, a younger king. We need a better-looking king. We need a king who, who understands the, re, the people. David's always in the palace. David doesn't, doesn't go out to battle anymore. David is a figurehead. David doesn't understand the real issues. David is always at, 
at banquets. David's constantly getting new concubines and, and interacting with other royalty. He's not one of us anymore. Remember back in the day when David lived in the caves and he wandered the wilderness and Saul was chasing him? Do you remember the days when he was in Hebron and, and all those, you know, the 600 men were around him and man, David was, was with the people all the time and now he's not. And we need a man of the people. And Absalom's that guy. And they might have even hinted to Absalom, which is probably how he started to get the idea that, that the time was getting close. They started to hint to, to, you know, to Absalom, you know, if we, if we had a vote, you know, I'd vote for you. I, I agree with you. I think you'd be an amazing king. But we don't have a vote, you know. David's in charge of everything. And we're not going up against Joab. Joab is, no, he, he, <clears throat> he's not going to turn against them. Oh, yeah, there was... There was a lot of in political intrigue going on at this point. And, and, and I know I keep, I keep, I don't ever, anyways, so youth pastors often do that and they create unrest. And then sometimes the pastor has to do a final pull or the elders and they, you know, they ask the youth pastor to step down and they might not be clear as to why or the youth pastor pushes back, a, you know, a couple times and basically the, you know, they say, well, you know, why don't you look for a senior pastor? Maybe it's time you, you look for the next level. I never really got there uh, because I basically, I just kept changing churches, moving on. I did love it. I did love uh, running youth camps. Those were fun. But there's a lot of politics in there, in there too. And, and basically it was because of politics that I left uh, the last one I was at, which was an amazing experience for eight years. I absolutely loved working there. And then because of politics, new leadership was put in over the top of me. And man, did they have a philosophy I did not buy into. And I was just like, no, I can't work under here. Now, from their perspective, it was like, well, you know, I'm coming in and we're going to keep Bob because he's so good at what he does. We're just going to, we're just going to, Bring Bob around a little bit on these, a couple of these subjects, you know, a couple of these topics that he and I don't really agree on. But Bob will come around because Bob's a good soldier and Bob will do what he's told. And they were so wrong, <laughs> which is fine. You know, ultimately, the camp ended up not I, it, it would have gone under probably anyways, but it went under, I think, a little faster with this new leadership, because I, I think they just they just were a jump back into the past, major jump back into the past, and I just think it 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 helped things move along faster. I really do. We needed, uh, anyways. Doesn't matter. It was politics. Politics can ruin things, ruin things because they're just out for themselves. They're out for control. They're out for power, and that's you know the new leadership that came in came in from. You know, he was good friends with the whatever, the owner, owner, overseer of all things. And and he wanted to, he, you know, if you could do anything, what do you want to do? Oh, I'd run, I'd run that camp and that camp will, I, I'll bring that camp into absolute stardom. All I need is total control. All right, I'll give you total control. That's what Absalom's doing here. He's like, listen, I could run this country so good. All I need is total control. And he's waiting for that opportunity to step into the final push for total control. 
So four years, four years of moving the hearts of the tribal leaders and the nation to his own. And I think, like, a, uh, I think, you know, I, I'm, well, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what it was about this time of year. I don't know what it was about uh, this week or this day, but there was a vow that Absalom had made, evidently, and and the king knew about it. Everyone knew about it. So at the end of four years, Absalom says to the king, "Let me go to Hebron and fulfill a vow I made to the Lord while your servant was living at Gershon." I made a vow, if the Lord take me back to Jerusalem, I would worship him at Hebron. Oh, really? So you're in exile in Hebron, uh, in, in Gershon, for three years. And you tell the Lord that if he brings you back, you're going you're gonna to worship, make a sacrifice for him at Hebron. Why Hebron? Why not the tabernacle? Why not worship him in the capital city? Why not worship him at the temple? What is what is about Hebron? Oh, you see Hebron. Hebron's a key a key city in the narrative of David becoming king, remember? It kind of has the uh the mini palace. It kind of has all the banquet facilities and the meeting facilities that you would need to kind of throw together a political coup. And I love the fact that you bring God into this. I mean, isn't that usually always the way? You got a good deception going on. You want to make sure no one questions you. So you tell them, hmm, God told me. Hmm, really? Yeah, God told me. Oh, well, then there's clearly nothing I can say about that. There's nothing I can do about that. If God told you, then I guess I, I guess you got to go. So he goes to David and he says, "Hey, uh, Dad, you know it's been four years since I um, became back into power. You know, uh, six years since I've been back in Jerusalem, and I, you know, I've forgotten after because so much has been going on. You know, I, uh, but." I made this promise to God back when I was in exile. And I promised him I would actually make a sacrifice at Hebron. <laughs> Crazy, I know, but but yeah, I I need to get to Hebron. I need to fulfill this vow that I've made to the Lord. Now he knew David would bite at that. David's not going to tell him he can't fulfill a vow to the Lord. I mean, that's crazy. So he says, all right, well, then go. Go and uh, fulfill your vow. God bless you. Go in peace, he says. No worries. No extra security. You just go and do what you need to do because you're awesome. You're my son. So glad to have you back. And I've heard great things about you down at the, down at the gate. You know, you are, people love you. The people love you, Absalom. And I don't blame them. You're a great guy. You you just, you have a way with people. You know, you are good looking your family's amazing. Your sons are great. Man, I just, and I love that chariot of yours. That's a, that's a sweet looking ride. Yeah. Go to Hebron. Go in peace. Have a great time. So he, he sends secret messengers throughout the tribes. 
that says, as soon as you hear the trumpets, then say, Absalom is king in Hebron. So he sends out, he sends out, there's, you know, there's signals around the nation. And what this means is basically the larger villages slash cities around the nation would all have trumpeters. And he sends out messengers to the elders, to the leaders that he that are that are part of his conspiracy. And he says, when you hear the trumpets, then make the announcement that I am now king in Hebron. I've set myself up in the capital city of my father before he took Jerusalem. I'm now king. That'll be your signal. So he's got he's already got multiple messengers. Realize the logistics of this. He has multiple messengers that go out and say, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpets, tell, announce to everyone that Absalom is now king in Hebron. Which means he also has a second round of messengers that are going to go tell the trumpeters to, to trumpet when this whole thing takes place. Because you don't just walk down to Hebron in 20 minutes. Plus, he brings 200 unsuspecting guests because this has to look legit. It's, it makes it makes it clear. He invited them. They went quite innocently, knowing nothing about the matter. Who are these guests? Well, these, these are people that are regularly found in the government of Israel. They're found in the palace walls. They're found in the courtyards. They're found in the in the government housing and government buildings. They are they are recognizable authorities throughout the nation. They have no idea what Absalom is planning. They have no idea how long he's been planning it. Or the fact that because when he does it, they're all now going to automatically be assumed that they are in support of him. That's why they're there. They are unsuspecting because he has to keep up the visual lie. So he heads out of town. 200 guests go with him. Logistically, it's probably 400 to 500 people leaving the city all at once. Visually, this looks this looks huge. And Absalom would have wanted it to look big. He would have wanted it to look like something big is happening. And he's the center of it. He's got his 50 men out in front. He's riding his chariot. He is he has accentuated every beautiful aspect of his body. His hair, his face, his skin, his arms, his leg, everything. He looks stunning. Like, like uh, going to the Oscars. And everybody sees what's going on. They see all these government officials going with them. And they're they're riding on their donkeys or in their carts. They're, they're dressed appropriately because they are officials. Everyone knows that they're officials. Everyone sees that they're talking and they're around Absalom. Absalom looks the part of an incredibly important person with an incredibly important, important event in front of them. And while... He's offering sacrifices. So he gets to Hebron. And now we have the show, the religious show. He sends out uh, another secret messenger. He sends out for Ahithophel, David's counselor, who is now in his hometown of Gilah. Gilah. Gilha? Gehol. Starts with a G. <laughs> Now, you don't offer, this isn't just a one-time thing. This is going to be probably 
a week or two weeks of activities, a week or two weeks of sacrifices and and the and the appearance of sincerity, the the appearance of of uh, authenticity, the appearance of wealth, the appearance of authority. No one's suspecting that he's setting himself setting himself up to push David out of power. And he sends a message to Ahithophel. He's like, it's going to happen. It's gaining strength. More people are coming because they're they're drawn in by the by what's happening. You know, the the 200 officials are telling their friends, sending messages, you you should come you should come here. Like this is a big deal. Like Absalom's throwing a big party. You should be here. Now, Absalom came, and by showing up, he, of course, lends a spiritual and governmental weight to what's going on here that is almost like it, mm, it couldn't have gotten any more important than if David had actually showed up. When Ahithophel showed up, it really got weighty. Like, the what do they call it? Gravitas. The gravitas of what's going on became amazing. And of course, Ahithophel doesn't show up alone. Tribal leaders were showing up. Meetings were taking place when the when the sacrifices weren't being made. They're sending representatives back home to tell them what's going on. That that uh, you know Ahithophel is here. So and so is here. This government official's here. This ambassador just showed up. This embassy just showed up. Several large uh, merchant. Um, People showed up. There's more and more food being served. There's more and more wine being served. We're all staying at the old palace. And Absalom and Ahithophel could see what's happening. They could see it gaining momentum. They could see the growth in the attendance, the growth in the numbers of officials and people with titles and people with power, people with money, people with authority. They're they're just gaining this. Like they're... This is this is uh, this is momentum, and they're in a moment here where they have to make a decision. Like, are we really going to go through with this? Because, you know, several days ago we probably could have pulled the plug and went back to the palace and just called it a day. But this is a big freaking deal, and it's not getting any smaller. And they start to believe their own lies. They start to believe their own deception, and that's the ultimate. Imp- imp- politics right that's the ultimate in in well that's the ultimate in self-deception is when you deceive yourself why bob that was so insightful oh yeah yeah you should have your own podcast i do have my own podcast because i'm so insightful okay the ultimate self-deception right is when you believe the lies that you started and suddenly you think they're true and absalom comes to a place where he looks out on the on the crowd after he sacrifices in the morning or in the evening, and there's another party, another banquet going on. This was probably in co- coincided with the Jewish festival, and people were showing up, and then common people were showing up, and the city was being blessed, and lots of wine, like I said, lots of lots of uh, food, lots of generosity, lots of talk and laughter, and people were just genuinely thinking, man, Absalom is an amazing man, an amazing leader. An amazing guy, an amazing prince. They were, they were very, very excited by what they were experiencing, and the conversations were so positive and uplifting. And 
and they would throw out various political circumstances to Absalom and and Absalom would answer them but probably be after he had gotten the wisdom from Ahithophel. Ahithophel had schooled Absalom and how to answer people politically, how to answer them in a way that would that would cause them to fall in love with him even more. All of this is going on, and you don't get that just from reading these verses. You get that because you have to understand the culture of the day. These, this this four-year period took four years. You can read about it in less than a minute. And then this whole thing of going down to Hebron to make a sacrifice, this is huge, and this took time. And Absalom's probably been down there for a month by the time he comes out. And when he comes out, it's a big freaking deal. And we're going to get into that next week. But I want to encourage you, again, if you're playing politics, don't. It's it's never going to end well. It just isn't. It's going to hurt people. And ultimately, it's going to hurt you. It's, it's, a, it's a lie. It's just a lie. Be diplomatic. Tell the truth. Do what's best for, for others, not for yourself. It's it's in a it's it's an opportunity to be a leader, not a politician. And Absalom fell into the political spirit. Oh, there you go. That's a good Christian word. Christianese. He was under the influence of the political spirit. Well, get out from under it. Instead of acting like you're spending time with God, go spend time with God. Instead of acting like you're sacrificing and you're humble before him, actually get humble before him. Listen, the answer to all of this is always the presence of God. Because in the presence of God is fullness of joy, is fullness of love, is fullness of hope. It's the thing that will shift your perspective. You can change your motive in an, in an instant. It doesn't mean that everything you're doing is worthless or everything you did no longer has value. It's just that it changes the heart behind it and it actually increases its value because it moves from something of selfishness into something of, of love. It moves from something of fear and control into something of love and hope and peace. Absalom at any time could have stepped out and said, you know what? I need to, I need to make sure these people understand that my father loves them and he's doing the best he can, and I'm doing my best to serve him. In an instant, he could have changed the whole dynamic of the party. The party would have went on, but everybody would have left supporting and loving uh, their country and loving David and, and loving God more. But he didn't do that. He kept the party going. He kept the momentum going of lifting himself up and making himself look like he deserves to run the country. And that's where we're going to leave off until next week on the Epic Narrative. <laughs> this is fun. Thanks for staying. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast on any platform you use. You can also reach out to Bob for questions or booking at thebobswitzer.com or email him at thebobswitzer at gmail.com. See you next week, guys.